Welcome to episode 8 of As You Were Saying. This is our first official special episode, our follow-up extravaganza, featuring follow-up from Gloria and follow-up from Bob. If you'd like to leave us a message, go to creativeandbeyond.com and use the contact form. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the show. And I have drinking, drinking, I have drank a lot of tea and now need to relieve myself of said tea. Well, hello, Aaron. Hi there, Gordon. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some peach black tea that my wife made, and this is iced oh. tea. Ah, nice. Yeah. Peach black tea iced. Yes. That sounds, yeah, it sounds delicious. I'm jealous. It's one of the regular things she does when the weather gets warmer. She'll do, I think she'll do like two-thirds black tea packets and one-third uh, peach tea and make some delicious iced tea. No, that sounds great. Um, yes. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking nothing. Uh, nothing at all. Well, I'm not drinking, I guess I should say. <laughs> you've, you've quit your <laughs> drinking habits? Well, I... Uh, so I don't know. I, I kind of confuse myself. I, you know, if I'm, if I'm drinking nothing, it sounds like I'm engaging in drinking right. and failing in a very interesting way, but I'm, I'm not even engaging in drinking. So I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking nothing. I'm not drinking. Okay. That yeah. makes me think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they describe, I think I'm getting this right, but they describe flying as, uh, as falling to the ground and missing or something like that or failing oh, to, yeah. failing to fall on the ground so that's yeah i mean that's actually a really good description of what's happening when something's in orbit right um it's when when something's in, successfully in orbit it's it's falling towards the earth because it's it's caught by earth's gravity mm-hmm. but it, it's falling and missing the planet it's over just, and over again yeah. and that's how it stays in orbit just continually falling yeah oh yeah i mean that's i think that's like a a really good way to describe something being in orbit. So look at that. That Douglas Adams, he's so clever. He knows what he's talking about. He does. So yeah, I have an interesting setup today. So the reason I'm not drinking anything is because I'm sitting, I'm actually, I don't have any place to put a drink. I'm, uh, my setup is odd. I'm on the road again. Uh, on so the I had road I've, again. <laughs> yeah, traveling for business. And so I'm in a hotel room and I'm sitting in the middle of the hotel bed with the laptop on my lap, where a laptop should go. Uh, yes. I, I, it's in the I name. I managed to re- <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's all in the name. They're actually um, not good for laps, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get back to that. We'll get yeah, back to yeah. that. Um, and I, I forgot my... I, so I, I remembered my microphone and my like dongle that I have to use to connect the microphone to the computer so mm-hmm. I can record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forgot the, the little arm that holds the microphone up to my mouth so i'm currently holding the microphone with my hand uh with the laptop in my lap with cords going everywhere and my headphones oh. on uh in in a hotel bed uh you know dressed you know like dressed in you know business attire so i that's <laughs> from if anybody if this if this were a, a video cast of some sort uh, i would imagine it'd be a very humorous sight yeah it it sounds pretty uh uncomfortable and also it sounds like it'd be a great stock photo of someone yeah. right no i think i think i think so i'm gonna change all of my like social media and skype pictures and, and stuff to this to, to a photo of this i'm gonna i'm gonna recreate this later 
and get someone to take a photo and yeah, post it all over the, the interwebs. I think you should. I think I should too. Um, maybe I'll become a famous meme. Ooh, that would be pretty cool. I, yeah, though actually, <laughs> it depends on the content of the meme. Maybe it, it does depend because uh, yeah. you don't want to be the Star Wars kid. No, no, that's actually really sad. <laughs> it's pretty sad. Poor guy. Yeah, he he was like one of the first. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, yeah, I there's no place for a drink i don't have any appropriate containers that i could set on the bed um though as i'm saying that across the room is a bottled water that is entirely appropriate i don't know why i didn't think to include that in my setup i man podcasting is so hard now is this a complimentary bottle of water or will you have to pay for it if you take it oh no it's complimentary so funny story uh i got upgraded to platinum accidentally oh wow yeah pretty amazing so I had I checked into my hotel pretty late. The flight got in late, and I guess the room that they had available was initially intended for uh, one of their platinum members. And um, I, I so I, so I'm in the room, and I see that there's this card that says, you know, between these times, there's you know yogurt and water and coffee and what have you. And I, I didn't read it very closely, and I just thought to myself, oh, it's like complimentary breakfast. That's great. Lots of hotels have that. And I go downstairs, and I can't find it. And so then I asked the desk and I go, oh, hey, where's the, where's the free yogurt? And the woman goes, oh, what's your, what's your room number? And I gave her my room number and she goes, she, she looks at her screen and she goes, oh, well, we don't have free yogurt, but you can buy some yogurt. And I was like, oh, and, and my, my first question in my head was, why did you have to look up my room number to tell me that there's no free yogurt? Yeah. That seems suspicious. And then yeah. my second question was, well, there's a card in my room that says there's free yogurt. Um, so I'm, you know, are you? are you sure? I'm like, I'm like, I'm sure you're sure you're, you know, an expert at customer service, but I just, I, I can't help but follow up. And so then she asked me to go get the card and bring it down. And I, you know, I brought it down and showed it to her and she goes, Oh, are you a platinum member? And I was like, no, I, I don't think so. She was like, Oh, well this is only for platinum members. It shouldn't have been in your room, but we'll go ahead and upgrade you. And so then she took my key card and, you know, did some magic with it and gave it back to me and then told me where the secret you know, platinum member like snack room is. And yeah, I, so I, I have access now to the wow. secret platinum member uh, snack room. So when she upgraded your card, it gave you access to this room. It did. That's, that's pretty sweet. It, all, yeah, it is. It, and all you had to do was ask for it and, and produce this little slip of paper. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. So anyways, that's the reason I'm explaining this is the, the, the bottled water that I'm looking at is up the bottled waters that get left for the platinum members in in the in your room and so when i came in i actually thought to myself oh they're trying to trick me into drinking this bottled water so they can charge me uh but now now i've been informed that i i am you know for the next couple of days a platinum member of this hotel and the bottled water was actually left as a gift because i'm such a valued customer oh man you're yeah. you could be drinking platinum water right now i could be i I haven't been able, yeah, I haven't been able to find the platinum water. It may require a different level of access, counterintuitive, counterintuitive as it may be, given that I am a platinum member and it's platinum water. But I think you have to be like a diamond member um, uh. <laughs> in order to drink the platinum water. I mean, it's yeah, not not their their terminology's all messed up. Yeah, these systems tend to be fairly complicated. So they I, do. I yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's really no better way to, you know. Uh, you know, capture, uh, 
the reward systems for valued guests. So I, I understand. It yeah. just has to be complicated. No other yeah. way. Yep. That's just the way things are. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So yeah, let's get on with the show. So uh, we're doing uh, follow-up extravaganza today. Yes, this is a special show where we have no other topics besides just our all the follow-up that we've been collecting. And we have a ton. We do have a lot. So we'll see if we even get through all of it. Should be an exciting show. So th- is this our first special? Or did we do a Christmas special? Or maybe that was uh, that was actually like a discussion, wasn't it? It was a there discussion. was a question. Yeah, there was a question about whether or not we had a Christmas special. So, but this is definitively a follow-up special. It is, I, and I think we decided that we did not have a Christmas special. So, ah, okay. So this is a very special first special. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, well, on with the show. On with the show. So I've. Uh, this is not follow-up but this is a little bit of news <laughs> yeah, on our follow-up all we're going to talk about is follow-up let's start with something that's not follow-up hey it's how we roll it is we like we're to, a bunch uh, of liars we, we, we like to mix things up and throw you off your groove yeah that's right all right so uh i just thought this was interesting um there's been a couple of comics about jesus coming out uh one by dc and then another by uh, Image Comics. And uh, the, the one by DC is called Second Coming, and it actually got canceled. Um, so let me explain first. So uh, Second Coming is going to be, it was, it was, I don't know if it was, I think it might have been finished, but not released yet. Um, but the premise is that um, Jesus comes back to Earth and is pretty much unaware of everything that's happened since he left and he uh, joins up I think maybe he rooms with this other superhero who is basically Superman but or kind of a stand-in for Superman I think he's called Sun Man and and um, and Jesus is kind of shocked and appalled at the state of the world and um, and then it seems like it they kind of go that they um, compare and contrast the difference between Jesus's approach to saving the world and Superman's approach to saving the world. But anyway, um, when when word got out about this this comic that was in production, uh, a bunch of Christians went to I guess it's called Citizen Go, and started a petition that ended up with two hundred thirty thousand signatures uh, against this uh, comic being released, and they were calling it blasphemous and outrageous. So it has since been canned and i guess the uh, creators are going to try to find another company to produce it this is very interesting yeah so i guess i want to hear your thoughts first um i i i guess it's i find it a little disappointing um i do i don't know it's it's easy to get on on the bandwagon with stuff like this of like the (laughs) the hater bandwagon um, but I just don't think this is the right reaction, uh, especially with something that's not, uh, it's not, su- it doesn't, from what I can tell, it's not supposed to be hostile towards Christians or Christianity. It's just kind of taking an artistic look at, w- at what if scenario. Um, so I, I don't see anything, um, 
particularly bad about this comic, uh, but a lot of people are very offended by it. Um, and then to to go along with that, the other comic that's coming out called Jesus Freak is is way way more extreme, and it's where Jesus is essentially a Conan the Barbarian figure, just running around and mercilessly slaying Romans and all kinds of strange creatures. So it's just funny it, that uh, what. Oh, I was just going to clarify. I mean, is this just like some guy named Jesus or is this supposed to be I don't I don't I'm not really clear on that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, apparently it's supposed to be Jesus, but uh it's so non-characteristic to him that it's hard to associate the name with the person. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it's just I mean, it's just a name. Um that's not yeah, so he's just he just runs around slaying Romans. Yeah, I guess so and like Interesting. Know, battling monsters and stuff. Huh. I mean, yeah, that that's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny that that one, I mean, maybe it's just not, uh, since it's not DC, it doesn't have the same amount of attention. Um, but as far as I know, there's no pushback to that one, which that seems pretty ridiculous and outrageous. But uh, the the second coming one doesn't seem, it seems much more tame and yet people were, quite offended by it yeah i i would have to think more i think there is something that bothers me so certainly the so the the jesus freak one i mean if it's just a guy running around slaying romans fighting monsters and there's really no other religious content besides the fact that he's named jesus in the time period um i mean i i mean it just sounds like a comic book to me yeah doesn't sound like anything special um the the other one though I think bothers me a little it I it yeah I, I I guess I'd have to read it to make a judgment um but there's a there's certainly a way to do this which I think would make me yeah I, I guess make me uncomfortable um where you know Jesus is being portrayed um inaccurately um or maybe inaccurate I mean it is inaccurate but I I'm having trouble pinpointing exactly what the what the issue would be, but it has something to do with a uh, taking of what, you know, what should be emphasized in, in times and um, change, like moving the emphasis and then using that as a vehicle for, you know, Christian social commentary. I mean, I'm okay with like artistic license and everything else. And I think there's flexibility in these things, but uh, depending on, I guess, what, I, I guess here would be like a question you know what? What sort of impression would somebody have of Jesus or of Christ um, if they, you know, really immerse themselves in these comics? And what would this do to their sort of like Christian outlook and their, you know, their outlook on reality and its relationship to God and um, these sorts of things? I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd want to ask these questions um, before I pass judgment, which would require, you know, looking at the comic, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know it's interesting. I so I guess my idea is that um, like there's there's a lot of things like this already. Like I think of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. where um, like it's it's an enjoyable musical, and I I like it for those qualities. But it's uh, at least as far as the Bible's concerned, it's an inaccurate portrayal of Jesus. Uh, in that he in in that one he's uh, Judas is kind of portrayed as not really. Uh, not really the bad guy and Jesus doesn't really quite know what's going on um, or isn't fully aware of what he's doing. Um, so 
So like I I do agree that like I I might not agree with the content of this comic um or even think it's it's like beneficial or accurate. But I also don't like the the approach of um we're offended by this, let's make sure it doesn't get created kind of a thing. Yeah, I think that's bad. I mean, I I certainly don't think offense should guide what gets created. I I think so Man, this is like such a deep topic. Um, so in short, let me just do this like in broad brush strokes. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think there's confusion about what should drive us sometimes. And I think at times people think what should drive, you know, the appropriateness of my actions is how offended somebody gets. And I, I it's not like we should run around offending people, but I don't think offense should be the focus. I think the focus should be harm. And offense and harm um, don't always go hand in hand. Now, maybe you want to say, oh, anytime somebody's offended, they're obviously harmed. Fine. They're not harmed enough for me to care. The kind of harm I'm talking about is, you know, like widespread discrimination, like contributing to a machine that discriminates against like a certain class of people, whatever else. And, you know, that's not always going to correlate with offense, you know. So if, you know, you have a group who tells a bunch of, you know, racist jokes uh, and they think, oh, we don't mean any harm by that. And look, no one's offended because everyone just thinks it's funny. Well, you're missing the point because it's not about offense. It's about it's about harm. And by telling these jokes, you might be contributing to this like machine of oppression. And you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't want to contribute to that. And likewise, you know, you might do something that offends somebody. Uh, and, well, you know, it, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. And that's okay. Um, you know, as long as you're not contributing to this widespread harm it might be okay that you offended somebody and so it's you know it's tough big issue but so so i agree like in this case i don't think offense should be driving you know people getting upset about the comic um you know i think what should you know if people are upset i think it should be because of the way it affects our christian sensibilities and our um i guess worldview to use like a a catchy word um and i think the media we consume can have an effect on that and it can have an effect on the way our culture orients uh, or the way the members of our culture orients themselves uh, to uh, religious activity and, um, you know, so on and so forth. So um, I think that I, I think maybe, yeah, I imagine it sounds like we probably agree. Um, and so that but that that's the concern I have is, you know, I'd want to I'd want to look at it and think really hard, like what would happen if I immerse myself in this and what would happen if our culture really latched onto this? Like, would that be, would that be harmful in this like widespread way? And, and that, those are the questions I think I would, I would be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are good questions. Um, and who, who knows if we'll ever know, cause the comic may or may not come out at this point. So, and the people that were offended by it never read the comic. So it's hard to know whether they had the right reaction or not. Yeah. It seems like the reaction was unfounded. Yeah. Um, I don't think I realized at first that they hadn't even read the comic. No, they, the comic has not been released, and those right. who, who signed the petition have not read the comic. I see. Okay. So it's not like they got a special right. first chapter or something. They did not. Okay. So let me just give real quick, and then we should, we'll should we move on to other stuff. Um, an example where I think inaccuracy was fine. And this is controversial. Like Lots of people have blasted me for thinking this. But did you ever see Russell Crowe's Noah? Yes. I, I shouldn't did. say Russell Crowe's Noah. I guess it's 
Aronofsky was the director, but Russell Crowe starred in it. Yeah. I thought that movie was fine. And I thought there were a lot of really good things about it. And, you know, I I have a lot of good things to say about that movie. And, you know, but I've been blasted because, you know, people are like, oh, but it's inaccurate and it misportrays the Old Testament and like all these things. And uh, I don't know, a, a discussion for another time. But that's just uh, an example uh, where I I think, you know, I thought really hard about it. And I thought, you know, I think this is fine. Uh, but uh, I, I feel I, I feel like tension all of a sudden, like you're going to tell me you hated that movie or something. <laughs> uh, I, no, I actually um, I, I enjoy things like that in that. When I saw the movie, I didn't enjoy the movie, but it made me think a lot, and uh, and I did appreciate a lot of things that were done in the movie. Um, so so like I don't I don't see it as being a harmful thing, um, and I'm sure there could be a lot of discussion in that area whether it is harmful or not. But I think, and and this is my thoughts towards a lot of things like this is that whether it's at least as far as things related to Christianity are concerned, uh, whether it's harmful or not is kind of how we take it in and approach it. And whether we just take something in wholeheartedly or we use it as a learning lesson and a discussion point, uh, I think that can really change how something affects society and culture. I agree. I Which agree. Is, you have it's to just very different from like if something's just... Uh, leading towards racist ideas and um, harm towards a certain class of people. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think with the majority of media, you have to index it to a time and place because in order to know whether or not it's harmful, you have to look at the minds of the people who are consuming it. And yeah, it's, it's not as cut and dry, like you said. So. Yep. Yep. Well, good. That was a, uh, that was a, good discussion i'm sure we'll talk more about things of that nature and absolutely i'll keep you updated if there's any more news on either of those comics yes please do well we had a few reviews on itunes that i wanted to read off oh great yeah i love reviews we got there yeah me too especially when they're five star ones which these are yeah nice (laughs) I, i imagine i mean if we please don't write a one-star review but if you do uh if it's funny enough i'll i'll probably still read it but (laughs) oh no yeah please don't give us a one star i mean actually if we deserve it we deserve it right right but i don't think we do anyhow so these are a bit long overdue but let me read these off so danny zoo writes i really enjoy listening to the variety of topics covered in this podcast from lighter to more serious topics, the podcast is very engaging and a joy to listen to. Highly recommend. Nice. Thank yeah. you, Danny Zoo. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And then Rupert15 says, Love the conversational style of the podcast and variation of topics. It keeps things interesting. Really feel like the last two episodes were relatable. Nice. Yeah. that's Those are good reviews. And we're, we're yeah, relatable. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, I enjoy hearing that. So thank you, both of you. I love the the Rupert name. I wonder, I don't know, I, it's, I what always pops into my head is Rupert Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I wonder if there's a relationship there. That could be. I uh, have not seen a lot of Buffy, so I couldn't tell you. Great show. Um, but anyways, let's, you know, for, forward and onward. Uh, yes. Onward, upward, forward, and in the direction that leads us 
where we want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so follow up. Now on to finally follow up here. What you've been waiting for? Uh, actually, listener feedback, follow up, whatever. I always have I always have trouble with listener feedback that is also follow up, which I guess a lot of listener feedback is follow up. But anyway, uh, uh, that's Jim, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our good friend Jimmy, friend of the show and uh, and guest as well, has some follow up for us. He says. Um, so he's he's referencing a few podcasts back where you talked about a guy attempting to beat all of the Soulborn games. Uh, you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. With, I know what he's without talking getting, about. Without getting hit once. The God Run, as it's yes. called. Well, I guess it's happened. It has. Did you see the video? I no. I <laughs> so I I love following this stuff, uh, but I mean I follow it through forums. I. I don't, I've never watched like a live stream and I haven't, I, I have only a couple times looked at these things on YouTube. I just, I, I rarely have the time, um, to, to do that, but no, yeah, I did hear about it and that's impressive. It's so to, yeah, these it's are hard, it's hard great. How many, games. how many games is it? Uh, it is, let's see, uh, Demon Souls was the first, then Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne and then Dark Souls three. So, um, what is that? Five games. Yeah, and each each of those games is that's kind of the point of the game is that they're purposefully hard, right? Oh yeah, I mean the whole idea of the game is I mean, and there's mechanics that support this, but yeah, it's you die over and over again and have to learn the environment. And when you when you do successfully, it's very rewarding. Like they, yeah, it's very well crafted. But that, yeah, that's the entire point is that you die over and over again. And yeah, he did all of them back to back. I don't really know what back to back means. I don't know if he sat there and went through all of them without stopping or if he took breaks. I think he took breaks, but... Um, I would imagine he would have to take some sort of break. Yeah, yeah, I would too. But yeah, no, it's very, yeah, it, it's amazing what people can do when they practice. It, it really is. It's, yeah, I'm very impressed. So so anyway, this I saw the video, or Jimmy sent me a link to the video, and it's just the short little clip of him finally finishing the very last one, and he is just he's just like weeping and ecstatic and uh, ecstatic and like screaming in joy, and he grabs his dog and and hugs his dog, and uh, it's it's just kind of crazy um, the emotional state that he's in at this point. And, uh, so Jimmy asks, he, he says, I was just listening to a podcast about bliss and to put it very short, they posit, when was the last time you screamed out in bliss? When were you so happy about something you actually screamed? Let me, I just need to clarify something real quick. Yeah, so yeah. it's, so the God run isn't, I, I misspoke. Um, and you may, I, I can't remember what you said exactly, but I definitely misspoke. It's not all of the games without dying. It's all the games without getting hit. Yes. Which is which is crazy. very different. Yeah, it's insane. So, and yeah, I mean, this is significant. I mean, I remember he I mean, at least once got through all f- like four of the games and then got hit on like the last game um, on on like a really easy area, um, and then he had to start over. So yeah, he's been at this for a while. Anyways, I digress. So, when were you so happy about something you actually screamed? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so here's something that comes to mind. Uh, in Dark Souls 3, there's a dragon 
at the end of the second DLC called Dark Eater Madeer. <laughs> and he is... Some is people he, think he's one of the most difficult dark? bosses. Is he dark and he eats or he eats dark things? He eats the abyss. Oh. So he eats dark things. But he's been corrupted okay. by the abyss as well. This is a this is a theme in these in these games is um the the abyss corrupting things. So Artorius, that figure I have, he he was a knight um and did lots of really good things, uh, but part of that involved he had to enter the abyss and was consumed and corrupted by the abyss. Mm. I so, um, but anyways, yeah. So Dark Eater Madeer thought to be one of the hardest bosses in all of the games. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know what, this was like the weirdest response. I remember, you know, I, you know, I had fought him several times and, uh, it, it's just like super hard. I, I, just, I don't know. It's just like ridiculous. And I, I think Gloria actually, she was like, um, I, I think I had fought him once and then I was like, oh, you know. Uh, let's go let's go do something and she's she's like no no fight him one more time you know just do one more time and i was like oh all right and i beat him and it was it was like the craziest thing like i realized like halfway through i'm like i'm gonna do this you know and like you start to sweat a little bit and you're like gripping the controller <laughs> and then you know i got his health down enough to where you could do like this like special attack that takes off uh you know enormous amounts of health and i you know did that and uh then i thought i thought it was over because uh, the the dragon like collapsed and i'm colorblind and so i couldn't see because of the background i couldn't see the the dragon's health correctly oh. so i i was like i like set sat down i was like ah you know just sort of like whoo and set down the controller and uh gloria was like he's not dead yet and i was like what and like grabbed the controller and like dodged as he swiped at me and then you know hit him with my sword and then like the very clear like death animation started and i i jumped up and i went um <laughs> sorry it's like, uh i said boom yaga yaga <laughs> and, and i don't know why uh but that's what i said like jumped up and i was like yeah boom yaga yaga you know <laughs> <laughs> and, uh glory was like what like yeah anyways but then she was like good job and you know so so there you go there you go that's pretty fun i don't yeah I, video games have a uh there's something about them that can elicit emotions that few other things can yeah no it's true they're very yeah. immersive yeah they are and and i find myself especially in a, a boss fight or something like that like getting very nervous and and focused and you know kind of honed into the battle yeah it's yeah it's something else yeah it is it is but uh yeah that's uh that's pretty funny i i appreciate that story especially the fact that you almost got whooped by him right after you thought you beat him oh yeah that would have been very sad that happens in these games though you cannot celebrate prematurely no can't uh don't it's not over until the uh the old death eater dark eater croaks so that's right it's not over until the very clear death animation begins. Yes, exactly. And even then, they still trick you sometimes. That's uh, true. It's true. All right. Well, let's move on to more feedback. All right. So something – so I guess in – so last week mm – -hmm. or not last week, last episode 
mm-hmm. two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, Gloria asked us about the experience machine, and we had an interesting discussion about that. But uh, one part of her question didn't get answered, which was, you know, and this is a question for you, Aaron. Um, do you think as video games progress and VR and these things that we're going to be faced with this question of how to to live our lives? Um, should we, you know, and, and where we have to make make decisions that are at least approaching I don't even, uh, or at least like directed towards something like the the experience machine where yeah. you can have this VR life or you can have this normal life and, and different kinds of achievements. Yeah. Did you ever read Ready Player One? I haven't. No spoilers because I okay. need to read it. Okay. I won't spoil it. But uh, it, it does sort of ask this question. Um, this, this isn't a spoiler, but everyone, pretty much everyone has access to um, this VR world called Oasis. And, um, and so there is kind of all, all throughout the story, there is this idea of whether, and, and the world is pretty terrible at this point. Um, and like people just living in stacks and stacks of, of like, um, trailer, trailer homes on top of each other. Um, but anyway, so that throughout the story is this idea of, of how wonderful the VR world is and how terrible the real world is in and the choice of which one to live in. Um, that's not really, I don't know if I'd say it's the, that's part, part of the focus of the story, but anyway. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And I, uh, I don't know if it would actually be as much of a struggle as it seems like it would be, uh, because there are so many things that are wonderful in the real world that, uh, and, there's just a, I don't know, I'm, I'm much more drawn to live in reality than a, even a wonderful, um, imagined reality. So that's my thoughts on it. Interesting. What do you you think? I'm not sure. Um, it, uh, well, we'll just let you have the last word on that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would still, I would definitely enjoy a virtual reality that is, difficult to distinguish from reality but i wouldn't want to get caught in it or to spend the rest of my life in it um, because i i have an inherent feeling that it's harmful to me yeah i I guess i will say one thing i i do worry about like addictive behavior um so i mean i i could see these worlds actually being harmful like physiologically harmful Mm -hmm. um, let alone detracting from your job and things like that like i don't know I think about that. I I think I would be more skeptical if it wasn't for the stories I've heard about, like World of Warcraft and um, yeah, even even StarCraft, like these games. People, uh, yeah, I mean, get really caught up and yeah, they don't lose their st- they lose their jobs and their families because of them. Yeah, people have died. I mean, these mm-hmm. are extreme cases, but it, it it's it just at least shows that it it can happen, um, right? So, which is thought provoking. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, hard hard questions. They are. Well, continuing on, let me go through some more questions that Gloria had for us. So I'll just read this one. She says, I'm also not a free will skeptic, but I worry about moral luck as it relates to punishment. For example, from the environment we grew up in and how we were raised to when we were born. Uh, in Germany world, during World War One, or in the U.S. in 2000. These matters that are out of our control surely influence how we are ethically formed. 
Do these concerns affect how we should think about punishment, either divine or institutional? I tend to think there are answers we can provide about divine punishment that make it just, e.g. omniscience of God and how we would act at every possible world under any circumstance. But I worry about our criminal justice system and the high rate to which we incarcerate people. I am a fan of non-retributivist punishment, where we instead focus on rehabilitation if possible. Do you think moral luck should affect our view of punishment? All right, so let me define some things here. So she mentions she's not a free will skeptic, which means that, um, well, in this context, she she is saying that she thinks, she believes that we do have free will, which we can understand here roughly as an ability to do otherwise in um, morally significant situations. So um, there, there are situations that we find ourselves in where um, I have an opportunity to do something that's uh, good, um, but but I also have the ability to do something in that same situation that is bad, or vice versa, right? So you have these morally significant situations where you, you have this ability to do otherwise. Um, and right, so she's, she's not, a, she's, she thinks we have that sort of freedom. Um, Got it. And so, yeah. And, and so the non-retributivist punishment, what she means by there is punishment that isn't uh, backwards looking as they say. So, um, you know, you steal from me uh, and then you get put in jail um, retributive, the, the retributivist would say you're put in jail because you deserve it because of what you did. And they would point at the stealing in the past. Non-retributivist would say, no, we put you in jail, not pointing in the past at you stealing from me, but pointing to the future to your like being a better person or being a better member of society. So we're going to put you in jail to help you become a better person. It's not retribution. It's, mm. uh, like um restorative in in some way so so one is a form of punishment for deeds done and one is um more of a uh, a consequence that's leading hopefully towards improvement and um correcting the the wrong yeah yeah maybe both of those so maybe part of the forward looking is making amends so it involves uh reconciliation so we we put you in jail because that's how we're going to achieve reconciliation between us and our friendship or something. I mean, that sounds bonkers the way I just said that, but you get the yeah. idea. Um, yeah. So uh, you don't, so another way to put this, like you don't, you don't apologize to me. Um, so, so like your wife isn't going to be like, Aaron, you need to apologize. And when, so when she says that, I guess she's not going to point at the fact that you stole money from me. She's going to point at the reconciliation in the future that that apology makes possible. Yeah, and that so makes the, the, that makes sense. Yeah, the apology isn't backwards looking; it's forward looking. And that mm-hmm. there's so that's yeah, non-retributivist. That's what she means. This is this forward looking notion. Um, moral luck is like it sounds, where you end up doing something uh, that's really bad, but it's it's like bad luck. So um, you can think of you know texting while driving. Um, you know, you think, oh, texting, texting while driving is not that big of a deal until you, you know, run over a child. And then you think, oh, man, that's terrible. Well, the only reason, like those of us who, you know, have texted while driving haven't run over children is because no child has darted in front of our car right when we've looked down. Right. 
And so you might think that the reason we haven't killed anybody when we've been driving in, in this distracted sort of way is because we've gotten lucky. It's moral luck. Um, and, and those who have, at least some of those who have, have gotten unlucky. And so they, they, they're morally unlucky. And so there's a question, um, you know, this is, this is Gloria's final sentence. Do you think moral luck should affect our view of punishment? Because a lot of the people that get, get punished, well, it seems like maybe they got morally unlucky. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to flesh all that out real quick. Um, Thank you. That That's helpful, actually. Uh, and yeah, that makes a difference. It's different from someone who robbed a store and whether they got caught or not. It's someone who has performed an action that um, in itself isn't wrong, but what it could lead to, such, such as texting while driving. Um, like you're not hurting anyone if you're texting while driving, but you increase you significantly increase the potential to harm someone when you're doing it and then if you do indeed harm someone when you're doing it uh you've you you were doing something wrong though it's something wrong that a lot of people do all the time and don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily lead to a bad outcome right and and there's complicated questions about how bad something like texting while driving is um given these moral luck cases, because you might just think that if you text while driving, then you you should be blamed in the same way as somebody who hit and kills a child, mm-hmm. uh, because you're opening up that potential um, by let, let's just say like you with your with your robust freedom, like make this decision to text while driving and look down at your phone. Um, just grant me that. I mean, sort of a toy case, but um, well, you might think because of moral luck you should you should be blamed just like somebody who hits a child because you opened up that potential and got lucky that that potential wasn't actualized Um, but then the other way around is somebody who in their freedom looks down at their phone you know texting while driving and actually hits a child you might think well they should be punished like somebody who doesn't hit a child because they just got unlucky and so it's yeah, it gets messy really quickly. Um, I can see that. And I, so I'm talking a lot. Hopefully that's okay. But one other thing, um, I guess it is okay. This is our show. <laughs> yeah, I, I could, mean, that's what we're here for. No, yeah, I, think, I guess so. Man. I think this is a good question for you to explain to and, and dive into. So Okay, all right. Good. Thank you. Um, so, I, so I want to challenge something that you said. You know, you said it's not like somebody who robs a store um, and you know, gets caught Mm -hmm. it. We have to be careful because I think, I think this is exactly her point. Um, she brings up Germany, uh, during the world wars and in the U S in the two thousands. And the question she's asking is, you know, did we, did, did some of us just get lucky that we weren't Nazis? Mm. Let's say, um, like what would have happened if we had been at the right age the, you know, um, in, in the right circumstances, hit with certain propaganda and certain ideas, you know, what might we have done in, in that circumstance? And we'd all love to say, well, you know, not not that, right? You know, I'm better than that. Yeah. Uh, but that gets really hard when you look at like our founding fathers and things. I mean, um, just, you know, uh, the, uh, these are these are people who 
historically been idealized in certain ways as you know the you know in the members of this group of enlightened and they a lot of them did really terrible things um some of which seems like it was it, it was contextual and historical mm. um for instance owning slaves right so that's what i was thinking of yeah and so there are really challenging questions so bringing it back to robbing a bank or a, a store or whatever else like you know, we, I think it's really important not to lose sight of how fortunate we are to have had, you know, certain ideas impressed upon us, certain examples to follow um, in our lives growing up and, and, and having been formed in certain ways by our circumstances to where we don't go do things like rob stores and instead um, work hard in other ways to, to build a life for ourselves. But imagine if you were raised, you know, to believe you know, based on both what you're told, but also your examples and the way you're treated by society, you're, you're basically uh, taught that the only way you make it is by doing these sorts of things. And I don't know, it get the story gets a lot more complicated. And then and at a certain point, you know, you have to ask the question, um, did, did this person who robbed the store have one of these morally relevant alternatives to turn to? Or was it a choice between you know, robbing a store or, you know, mugging somebody or the family starving or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, or, or like selling drugs or yeah, family starving. Um, but you don't even have to make it that extreme. You might just think that from this person's perspective, like this is how you build a life and they didn't have the, you know, the, the rock hard school teacher who, you know, taught them the right way to go in the school special. Like they just didn't have that opportunity. They had the friends who made fun of them and goaded them into doing terrible things at a young age. And they had the parents who didn't care and who were doing similar things. And they had the, the surrounding society who, you know, looked down on them and shunned them and, um, you know, everything else. And, and so then all they know from their perspective, they see, you know, three options, rob a store, mug somebody you know sell hard drugs and they decide to rob a store and then you have to ask yourself um you know was there was there a morally significant alternative for them and if there wasn't then do they deserve backwards looking punishment do we just can we can we uh act out retribution on them for their actions and yeah that's that's tough that is really tough um so I know this is our show. We can do whatever we want. We can. But I, I have been talking a lot. I, I want to hear, I, I don't know. I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. this. It is really tough. I I think part of it is uh, our, our, our justice system has been based on, it seems to me, has been based on backward-looking punishment for the most part. And maybe... I'm sure there's a ton of reasons for that. My guess is one of them is it's um, perhaps it's how we were, how this country is formed and uh, the ideals that that we have. And then also I think it's easier to um, incarcerate and, and punish someone for a crime rather than to find a way to actually uh, help them get better and help them out of uh, the cycles that they've been in that have led them to this crime. So, yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? No, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, 
so with, with that in mind, I I do agree with Gloria as well that um, restorative is is the better way to go. And I think I don't I don't really have a lot of um, data or research into this area, but I feel like from what I've heard, um, it produces much better results and it helps um, ends it, hel- it helps to stop promoting people from living criminal lifestyles um, and to instead get people into living a healthy style and in or living healthy and being part of society and uh, raising up healthy families that aren't um, engaging in uh, criminal activity and that sort of thing. Um, and on, on top of all that, um, that something that has been become really obvious uh, in recent time is just how unfair the criminal justice system is, uh, especially uh, towards minorities um, and, and just the numbers of like how blacks especially, like how many uh, blacks get incarcerated versus whites and um, just just sort of the, the unfairness of the whole system. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, well, tough issues. Um, I guess maybe closing this off. Uh, so this is something Gloria and I talked about. I, I assume this is Gloria, my wife, right? Not, there's not some yes. other Gloria writing these sorts of questions. Um, <laughs> so, someone posing as your wife. Yeah, I know. You Asking only, the same yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. Our, yeah, we we have the most interesting conversations, I have to tell you. Um, but I yeah, one of the things she said to me, so just to tie this into something that's happened recently and something we talked about in a prior episode, um, when everything came out about these college scandals and yeah. you know we talked about it on the show, you know, after that, you know, she she just made she just kind of got this look on her face and she's like she's like i hope these people don't go to jail um and she's just she's like why why would we put Lori laughlin in jail for this um certainly something has to happen but why would you put her in prison and i I think it's i think that's a good question yeah like what would that solve what would that solve and also is it is it just is it the right thing to do you know, certainly yeah. there's a better way than, you know, for something like this to handle what, what these people did. Um, it's not, it's not like if you let her go to roam the streets, you know, she's gonna, you know, I don't know, uh, assault people or anything. And, you know, we have to be careful again, because I mean, not all harm is like physical, Yeah. but it's a question like, should, yeah, th- they did, they did really bad things, but should they be put in prison? The, the um, problem prisons. too is, yeah, prison doesn't, people don't come out of prison better for the most part. No, they don't. Prisons are terrible places. Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, oh, and you know what? Also, maybe this isn't the last thing on this because we we left out the, the God part. <laughs> which <laughs> the, the big is, God part. I know, which probably shouldn't be glossed over, um, given this is a follow-up extravaganza. It is. Um, but There will be no glossing. Yeah. This is gonna be a long episode. I mean, it's yeah. just, I don't think there's any way around that. Um, so, yeah. So, so I'll ask you, Aaron. Question one: Given how terrible of a place prison is, and people don't come out of prison better, um, and and better members of society than they were when they went in, at least not in a lot of cases. Given the given Lori Laughlin's crimes and what this says about her as a member of society. Should Lori Laughlin, Lori Laughlin go to prison? So that's the first question. And the second question is, given what we've been talking about right now about moral luck, um, 
do you think this, I mean, what bearing does this have on heaven and hell? So there you go. Two, two really hard questions. (laughs) Yeah. She's, well, the first one's a little less hard, but I don't, yeah, it's kind of, it, it makes me think of uh, Martha Stewart going to prison too, right? Cause she, oh, she, yeah, right. Um, though with different reasons, of course. But I don't think she should go to prison. I I definitely think she should be fined um, significantly. But, um, but yeah, pr- sending her to prison seems extreme and unhelpful in this case. Um, it is... She, she did abuse the system um, in a way that is that is harmful, I think. But also, it's not. Um, it, it I guess indirectly, it could be harming a lot of people. But it's also um, it's not like she's done one thing that um, that has caused more harm than other people have been. So I don't know. Maybe that I'm probably not explaining it very well. But I. Th- no, no, no. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think of I guess it's one thing to say, well, if we let her roam the streets, she's not going to hurt anyone, um, and she probably won't ever do this again. Uh, but I also think of um, like the whole uh, Nasdaq thing, where like people are just uh, embezzling, or you know, sim- similar situations where people are just embezzling ridiculous amounts of money and um, really causing indirect a lot of indirect harm to their benefit and it's hard to know like yeah they didn't they didn't they didn't attack someone they didn't shoot a person but um it the degree to to which the harm they've caused is is like really high and it's hard to calculate it um so i don't really know what the right reaction is yeah or you might think of like the the housing crisis yeah i mean that there's a ton of harm there um right but it was yeah but nobody nobody punched anyone right it was just really bad, selfish, you know, investment management. Mm-hmm. And so what's the appropriate punishment for that? Or maybe not even punishment, but what's, how do you, uh, how do you look forward instead and go to a point of restoration and repair? I'm not really sure. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a fine answer. So yeah. <laughs> especially I'm, I've kind of, I'm certainly no, yeah, and I'm certainly no expert in this area, but I'd love to have a discussion with someone who is and someone who does have ideas in that area. Yeah, maybe we can find someone. Yeah. So maybe we should have Gloria on the show. And maybe we should. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be. Uh, yeah, I would be love fun. to. All right, yeah. Well, maybe I'll uh, I'll approach her and see, okay. see what she thinks. Oh, approach her slowly uh, and though, from the Or maybe I'll just... Yeah, yeah slowly... <laughs> From the front, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> maybe I'll just let or, her listen to... Or sneak up behind her without her knowing you're there and then whisper into her ear, do you want to be on the show? <laughs> yeah. Actually, what I'm going to do is let her just listen to the episode and see if she says anything. Okay. Yeah, and if she that doesn't, works. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, well, all right, she's we'll got one more question that is much easier to answer. Oh, wait, no, 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 you... You didn't answer the the hell. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm not letting you get off the hook like that. Oh man, I don't even. I don't even know if I can. Uh, well, let me let me go back a minute and just say, you, l- luck is a difficult concept for me. Actually, even even getting into that, um, I'm not sure whether or not I actually believe in luck, and I I might not believe in luck, um, though I 
use the word lucky and and kind of acknowledge what it means and admit that it exists to some extent. But um, yeah, luck is a tricky thing for me. Okay. So when you roll, you know, six <laughs> dice right, and you get six sixes and you needed those six sixes, you wouldn't say that was lucky? I, I probably would because um, whether or not I believe it's accidental, it's a word that everyone understands. Ah, okay. All right. But you would not mean the same thing that other people mean maybe yeah okay fair enough all right um but what was the question again oh so the question so so given the stuff we've been talking about with punishment what does this mean for heaven and hell in Mm. christianity Mm. and let me just acknowledge that this is this is an unfair question for me to be asking you on the spot like this yeah, but totally. It it's our show. <laughs> it's our show. <laughs> Which means you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, so you you can you can pass if you'd like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's honestly it's one of the. I would say that's one of the big. There's probably maybe three questions that uh, I feel like I struggle with, as far as. Um, my, I guess as far as my relationship with God and and just um, the way things exist. And and I, bel- I think they're questions I'll always struggle with, and I'm at a point where I'm okay with that. But I think that's one of them is the, the idea of hell and um, I guess one, that it's not restorative, and then also that it seems like pe- there's people that are born – in a certain time in a certain place that um they don't real they have no choice in that matter and they're they seem to be predisposed to not be believers or not believe in god uh or not follow um not follow christ and it's difficult you can't really fault them for that and so where is the, the the problem is where is the justice in that or why did god allow someone like that to be created why didn't god just create all people that would believe in him if that's what's required for salvation so yeah that's it's something that i struggle with and i don't have an easy answer for it i think that's an excellent answer i think a lot of these questions we should answer with i don't know i'm working on it um i think that's appropriate i think that's good uh one thing that comes to mind for me is i think c.s lewis talked about this um, hell being not fire and brimstone, but a sort of self-imposed reduction in well-being where um, I'm, I'm a little bit fuzzy on, on the details of his his idea, but it was something like, you know, you have all the space and resources to build the sort of house you want and everything and do the things you want to do. And it it just turns out not to be enough and it gets old. And the picture he painted were these these sprawling uh like mansions is this from the great divorce i think so yeah i seem to remember Um, that as well something like this and and even if if this isn't his idea it makes the point but this this i mean imagine these like sprawling estates filled with um lonely dissatisfied people and and it's because of the way these people are that they're in this state um not 
because there are devils torturing them or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this doesn't this doesn't fix everything. It doesn't answer all the, all these hard questions, but it it does help. Um, and then heaven similarly is something that requires um, a certain uh, formation, a certain personal formation to appreciate. And it it would be like giving uh, I don't know making making a two year old listen to opera. <laughs> Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just not going to work. So, but for the, for, to, to the, for the right person, you know, that's blissful, right? Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, some and musings. I think, yeah, so I, I would agree that I don't, I also don't believe hell is a, um, like a, a literal lake of fire that people are constantly burning in. Um, uh, but I, th- I think the distinction is one is, hell is completely absent of the presence of God where heaven is like the fulfillment or the, the completion of the presence of God. And, um, in that in itself is what makes one terrible and the other one wonderful. Um, but I don't, I don't know to like, to the extent that there's, there's anguish and suffering in hell or not. And then, um, and I, and I do think that hell is ultimately like it is a, is a place of one's own choice um, and if that's true, then it's, I don't, I don't know if there's regret or not. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good thoughts. Um, all right. So I guess let's, I guess let's move on to the next question. Yeah. So, uh, after Ooh, that, that was, that was rough. That was, that's a lot. <laughs> it, it's hard too. I mean, as you say all the time and I agree, uh, podcasts are not easy and, and uh, we we don't you know we try to prepare a bit, but it's not like I've sat down and taken copious notes and prepared like like I would for giving a speech or a lecture or something like this. This is just kind of a, we take them as they come kind of a thing. So yeah, um, I'm sitting in a hotel room holding the mic up to my mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, like because I for yeah I don't know actually you know and this is getting pretty tiring too. I've had you've having to switch hands not only. Yeah, not only is like my arm getting tired, but like my fingers are getting tired because I'm holding it with the tips of my fingers. <laughs> it's a very yeah. funny look. Um, anyways, uh, all right. So this next, so I'm gonna read this one because this looks like this is this is totally for you. Oh yeah, uh, all the way. Uh, so Gloria says or asks, um, Aaron, which board games do you recommend playing with your significant other? Seems like some more hug hormones in the world would be good. So yeah, let's hear some recommendations. Yeah, I've got a few. So uh, so if you're looking for cooperative games, which I always enjoy, and that's what I've been playing lately with my wife, uh, the two that I like a lot are, one is Gloomhaven, and then the other is Mechs versus Minions. Now, G- Gloomhaven is um, pretty expensive and also very involved, so it's it's kind of like a um it's it's more of a role playing game um or it has the feel of a role playing game but it's still a tabletop game uh and there's as far as how much content it has uh, you're probably never going to finish it or you'll never go through all the content cuz there's just hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of things you could do in the game um but essentially it's just a what it, what it really boils down to is um different battle scenarios and uh, you have a specific character and each person has a specific character and as you play with that character they they build up and get better Um, and then there's some kind of story that weaves those together and 
you decide what you're going to do throughout the game. So it's a lot of fun. Um, whereas Mechs vs. Minions is a much lighter game, uh, and it's made by the company Riot, who did League of Legends, and it takes place in the same world. Um, but in, in Mechs versus Minions, each person pilots a mech, and you're, you're programming your mech to move around on the board and, and uh, do different things, fighting off these little minion characters. And, uh, and each, each game is one mission that you're trying to accomplish, so it has specific goals and specific ways of, of working. But uh, it's a lot of fun and a very enjoyable experience. So I love those two. Uh, if you if you like two player games, uh, and feel feel free to interrupt me if you have any questions on these. No, no, this is I, I'm enjoying this. Okay, good, good. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, please, please continue. Okay, so two player games are really fun. So these are actually, I have a I have a question. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you? I have a question. Do you have a question? I do not have a question. Okay. So for two-player games, if you really like those, uh, two I recommend would be Lost Cities and or uh, Balloon Cup. And they're both, they're both pretty simple games, pretty straightforward. You can play them uh, in, in under an hour. And uh, yeah, I, I like them. I, uh, I tend to lose in both of them. My wife is pretty good at those sorts of games. And while I, I probably win most, gen, and generally I win most games that are competitive against her. She just she tends to stomp me in both of those. Um, but yeah, they're they're both fun, pretty light, easy games. Um, and then uh, a couple other that are they're not two player games, um, but they are um, they are competitive and they can be played with just two players, and they're they're still pretty fun. There's one called Galaxy Trucker. And another that I recently got called Super Mother Load. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's such funny names. Yeah. <laughs> they're both they're both awesome. Um they they kind of feel a little similar in theme, though they're pretty different games, but uh Galaxy Trucker actually has one of the best rule books I've ever read. So the the rule book is just full of jokes and, and little kind of asides and, and things. It's it's a really fun read. Um, so the story in Galaxy Trucker is you're, uh, you're this trucker that just uh, you're searching through a scrapyard trying to build a spaceship um, just good enough to store some uh, to haul some goods across the galaxy. And while you're doing that, all kinds of things are happening to destroy your ship, and you're just hoping to make it to the end with your ship in one piece and a few goods that you can cash in for money. And right. everyone else is doing the same thing. So I have to know, do you make it? Yeah. Oh well. No, you don't. You not necessarily. Well, that's not that's not very fun. That sounds stressful. <laughs> well, the fun is just knowing how crazy it can get. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, most most of the games I played, you don't your ship doesn't get totally destroyed, but okay. some parts of it will get blasted off by the end. So you. Uh, I, so there's two halves of the game. The first half is everyone just scrounging through this pile of uh, ship parts and trying to build their ship as fast as they can and get all the parts that they want. And then the other half is you're flipping these encounter cards and seeing what happens. So you could have meteors hitting your ship or space pirates shooting lasers at your ship, or you could find an abandoned station, that sort of thing. Nice. So no, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It does sound like fun. I mean, of course, I'm so, I mean, I'm an avid fan of Dark Souls and the Soulsborne games. So I, yeah, obviously 
I know it's all about uh, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Right. And then uh, Super Mother Super Motherload is kind of like a uh, board game version of Dig Dug. If you've ever played that, I that I think I've played Dig Dug. I don't know how you'd make that into a board game though. So you're you're uh, it's it's in the future on Mars, and you're piloting these little uh, machines that are drilling down into Mars and getting uh, minerals and resources and whatnot. And uh, as, as you play, you're upgrading your pilots and abilities. But um, you you really just you have a a flat view of uh, of Mars and and it's a it's just a two dimensional view of you digging down into it. So as you as you play, you're like adding to these pathways that are digging down into the planet. Uh, Interesting, it's, cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. No, it sounds like lots of fun. So and and then my one game that I always love has been one of my favorites for a very long time is the game Carcassonne. Oh, I've played that with you. That has meeples. It does have meeples. Ah, uh, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah we me- man, it, meeples are like... kind of the... Uh, uh, well, that was the first game with them, but uh, a lot of games have meeples now, and, and it's sort of the one of the standards of board games today. I see. Wow, that brings, that brings back memories. I mean, that must have been 10 years ago that we played that. Yeah, probably. It's been a good long while. Oh, how the time goes by. Oh, how it does. Yeah, Carcassonne. It's it's just uh, it's just a really well made game. There's like a hundred expansions that you could you could add to it if you wanted to, but even just the base game is good in itself. And we did play one at one point. A friend of mine and I and his two kids tried playing Carcassonne with all the expansions at the time. And it ended up being a three-hour game, and his children were crying by the end of it. So oh. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Okay, yeah, good to know. Yeah, good. yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try I'll jot that down. Oh, I, I do hope these are good recommendations, given that my wife is one asking because we're, you know, she's she's gonna listen to this and then probably buy one of these games. So um, I hope I hope these are good. Oh yeah, they're, because uh, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to play them. <laughs> they're all they're all good. Well, uh, just just come on by. You can try them out and see which ones you like. Sounds great. Um, cool. All right. Uh, any any final final comments on board games? None other than I love them, and I think everyone should play board games. Well, that concludes our Gloria follow up section. Yes, it um, does. At least I think. Yeah, it looks like it does. So, okay, it looks like the next section is uh, the person we refer to as Bob. Could, could we call Bob Bobbert? I think that'd be great. Bobbert? Bobbert. I've always wondered how... So Bob is the short... Uh, is the abbreviation for Robert, right? Right. But why? You know, I don't know. Um, there are other strange shortenings as well. What What is... Like Richard and Dick. Well, yeah, I was thinking Jack. Um, What's Jack? What is the elongated for? Jack? <laughs> the, <laughs> just, I can't remember, just, but it's just that phrase is quite funny to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that is funny. Um, well, I guess uh, I guess let's let's pause and look it up. I mean, this is why we have Google, right? Yes, it is short for uh, John, Jacob, Jason, Jonathan, uh, Johan, and and other J names. So there you go. 
but John is already, I mean, I guess it doesn't need to make sense, but John is already very short. Um, it's, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem necessary, but you know, it's, it's a good name. I do. I do like the name Jack. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, I guess maybe it's just more informal. Maybe that's part of it. Hmm. That could be. So our, our listener, Bob or Bobbert, however you want to refer to, well, let's say him. I've, it just, I'm just more comfortable with that. I, think I that's only acceptable. know a few. Well, I do have, there's Bobby. So Bobby can be a female name. True, true. Yeah. But let's just say him. Yeah. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Okay. I actually, I think <laughs> in, in his emails, he refers to himself using masculine pronouns. There we go. So where to begin? This is, yeah. So Bob has won the award for feedback. I am scrolling through the pages of our show notes that are filled with his feedback. Um, I almost wonder if we should just have a Bob episode. We should. Well, oh, you mean like a a Bob feedback episode? Like a Bob-isode. A Bob-isode. I think we should have Bob on the show. You know what? That would be even better. Um, be that as it may, I, I think we should definitely take a shot at this feedback. How much of this feedback? I mean, truth is no one knows. <laughs> it is undetermined at this it, moment. Is, this is like a, uh, this is like one of those endurance challenges where you just see how long you can go. This is a follow-up special. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um yeah let's let's see what we can yeah let's see what we can do and go from there okay well let's start with the most simplest and i don't know if i've read this before but it's worth reading again bob says congrats on keeping the podcast rolling so consistently you guys continue to improve and i look forward to seeing the podcast continue to develop that's great well thank you bob yeah thanks bob um yeah we what what episode is this is this episode eight yes Episode, it's good. Two more episodes, we'll be at 10 episodes. Oh, man, double digits. With rather consistent recording. I mean... We really only missed one week, I think. And that was pretty acceptable. That was very acceptable. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, Aaron, congratulations. Thank you, Gordon. Same to you. Thank you. All right. So, so, so Bob also wrote in, so um, several episodes ago, uh, Aaron, I think you you brought this to our attention. there was a an article that came out about how playing board games releases oxytocin, which yes. is this hug hormone. This is what Gloria was referencing uh, right. earlier in the show, saying, "Oh, we need more hug hormones." And Bob had some some criticisms of that of that article, um, and it looks like so his he, he has several points here. Um, I'm going to try and sum them up. Uh, so his so I'm going to distill them into two points. Um, the first is that it's oxytocin, I guess, gets released, um, through all kinds of activities and it is, it it isn't a very interesting finding to, to discover that oxytocin would be released when a couple plays board games. I guess oxytocin gets, um, gets released when you get a, when you get a massage, um, it's going to get released, you know, playing sports, it's going to get released probably, uh, watching certain television shows, doing all, all sorts of things. And in and, and many of these cases, it's unclear whether or not there's any um, strengthening of relationship 
going on. So the example Bob gives is um, getting a massage. Um, mm-hmm. He says, um, yet it's it's not clear that getting a massage strengthens my relationship with my masseuse. Um, then he goes on to say, mm-hmm. and it, it isn't surprising since neurotransmitters like oxytocin are implicated in or facilitate certain behaviors, for example, um, oh, and, and so on, and, and to varying degrees. Uh, and, and so then he says what exactly the role is and how much influence it has in strengthening a relationship uh, from a particular action is less clear. This is analogous to people getting up in arms about uh, dopamine mm-hmm. getting released from texting or social media engagement. He's like, well, of course it gets released. Um, it's the like central neurotransmitter um, in this particular like behavioral system. So um, I guess he was, he's unimpressed with the article. Um, the second point he has, and I think this is really good, um, there wasn't a control group in their study. And so that, that makes it even more unclear um, what these findings mean. If there's no, if there's nothing to contrast what's happening in the the board game case, it's hard to know how significant playing board games really is. So good. I think these are great criticisms. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, yeah, I think uh, Bob raises some very good points actually, and this is something I am not very cautious of that I should be a lot more cautious of. I still enjoyed the article just because it promotes board games and I'm all for that. But um, but the whole, th- this has become a pretty big thing or it's it's just come to light more recently and as far as I can tell um, is that these studies come out and they get promoted in the media and then we find out later that they really didn't prove anything or they weren't done very well or they were done uh, in a misleading way. And uh, the re- the results aren't showing what what media portrays them to be showing, and so uh, I do appreciate that Bob has uh, brought, raised these pretty important questions and issues, and I think he makes a good point that um, yeah, you don't uh, just just because your uh, oxytocin gets released doesn't necessarily mean that it's strengthening a relationship in that case. So with your masseuse. Um, you may go in, get a massage, and come out with no uh, no further or no increased relationship with that masseuse, and that's probably a pretty normal thing. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully we got that right. It, it looks, I mean, based on what he wrote here, I mean, it seems like he probably knows a lot about this. So please, uh, Bob, uh, let us know if we got that right. And um, yeah. So yeah. and I I think the dopamine thing is true as well is that it's it's like easy to get alarmed by something that causes a release of dopamine but then you realize that like just about everything <laughs> causes that. Right. <laughs> hap- yeah, exactly. It's happening all the time. It's not just when you're on Facebook or something. Right. Right. Um all right. So another bit of follow up he had had to do with the definition of um philosophy and so I so I took Bob to be defining philosophy as working with providing and responding uh, to arguments, and he he agrees that that's that that is a, a correct wording of his definition of philosophy. But he thought I misrepresented him in, in certain ways, um, and that what's really crucial in his mind is that there there are reasons being given um, for the truth of some claims. So it's not just 
I guess, working with, providing, and responding to arguments. These arguments have to be, um, there, there has to be like a good faith effort in, you know, uh, directing these arguments towards truth. So, and this, this is an important uh, distinction, and I probably didn't uh, make this clear, especially given the nature of my examples. So I think one of the examples I gave to say that I didn't think this was a good definition was this, his definition made some of the things that happen on the floor of Congress philosophy. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like philosophy to me. But one of the motivating reasons why some of that doesn't seem like philosophy to me is because it's not aimed at uh, truth or the pursuit of knowledge. There's oftentimes not this good faith effort at getting at the truth. It's, um, or advancing knowledge. It's uh, more rhetoric and sophistry. And you can have arguments um, in rhetoric and sophistry, but those arguments aren't aimed at truth or at the, you know, pursuit or proliferation of knowledge. And I take these to be requirements. And um, I take it Bob takes these to be requirements as well. And so um, this this much more closely aligns our definitions of um, doing philosophy, uh, mind being uh, very similar to his, but without not, but, but not requiring arguments or responding to arguments. Um, I think my, you know, one of my examples is beating a tire with a sledgehammer can be yeah. doing philosophy. If you're doing that for the sake of, um, a flash of insight. So, um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think that does much more closely align, uh, our, our definitions. And it also brings his definition, um, closer to, um, a definition that was given by uh, someone else who's given us a lot of feedback, uh, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think all three of us seem to be really close to being on the same page. And I think both Ryan's and Bob's definitions are both both you know really good definitions of philosophy. Yeah. It's hard. It seems to me it's hard to have a solid working definition of something, especially like philosophy, that is in many cases based on definitions and how you define things. Um, so definitions are complicated and yeah, they are. It's easy to look something up in a dictionary, but, um, it's much harder to find a solid working definition of something that everyone agrees with. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Writing definitions is notoriously difficult, especially if they're not going to be circular. So, I mean, I guess, I think of all definitions as being non-circular, but that's not the the normal use of the term. Um, but uh, yeah, good definitions are 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 hard to come by. Um, what do you mean by non-circular? Oh, so right. Uh, so if it's non-circular, then the term that you're using isn't found. the The term that you're defining isn't found in the definition itself. Uh, got it. Nor are synonyms. So. Yeah. Good I've example. always thought that's kind of cheating. Uh, it is, but this is what you find in the dictionary a lot yes, of times. Yes, you do. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, and these are descriptions. And descriptions are good ways to learn how to use words because uh, lots of words... Um, that we uh, There are words that we're very familiar with that um, we can express the same thing using words we're not familiar with. And so then we learn the ones we're not familiar with by associating with the ones that we are familiar with anyways but yeah so non-circular would be like uh bachelor is an unmarried man um bachelor doesn't get reused in the definition circular would be like um you know uh man is uh, a guy or a dude something like that mm-hmm. so uh, a dude man a dude man yeah or you know you might take like 
board game and you give a definition, you say, oh, a board game is a game that you typically play with your friends using cardboard and pieces. And it's like, well, that's approaching it's almost circularity. the same words yeah yeah it's yeah so i mean there's it's like starting uh, well i don't know maybe i think maybe you might be cheating there but um still helpful but maybe not a rigorous as rigorous of, of a definition as many would hope so i was watching this video of a guy talking about skyrim and why it was such a great game and uh, in it he goes on this long rant about how there's a part of the game where you encounter these creatures that are essentially skeletons, but they call them bone men. <laughs> That's funny. And, and just how well, 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 just they couldn't come up with a better name than bone men for these creatures. Bone men. Bone men. Moving on. Uh, so more more from Bob here. Uh, so he had some things to say about some of my comments on free will he he seems like he agrees with a lot of what we had to say um but he he wanted to nitpick a little bit uh he he says this uh gordon said that free will is roughly when nothing fixes what you do in the next moment and he uh, bob goes on to say just to be a stickler uh, i would make sure to add that it must also be true that what happens that is what you do is up to you and that what this means is extremely complicated and crucial to getting free will in the picture. And yeah, so 100% agree. Um, it's not enough to have my future action be entirely unfixed by anything. Um, my the, the action I perform has to also be um, my action, to, to put it in a very unhelpful way. Um, I, I, I have to have, you know, have exercised my control or um, it has to have been up to me uh, these are the words we use to kind of get at the phenomenon so it has to be you know two requirements not fixed by anything so nothing predetermines my action and that action has to be um, mine in this hard to explain and hard to capture way and those are those seem to be two if not just the two requirements for freedom, two very important requirements of freedom. So I think that's a good uh, good thing to point out there. So let's let's put a pin in this. Um, to, to so I guess to 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 forecast what is to come. Bob has some really interesting things to say about some of the stuff we talked about concerning gratuitous evil, and this relates to some of Bob's comments about free will. Um, we're going to talk about that on the next show. We're also going to talk about a bit more of Bob's thoughts about mythical creatures, um, something that Aaron is an expert in. Um, That's right. So we will, but yeah, we're going to get to this the next show because this is going long. Um, maybe next show we'll have a uh, a Bob follow-up special. Mm, a special, special, special. That's right. Or, or we could just, let's shorten Bob's name to Jack. <laughs> What about just B? <laughs> B? I like Jack. Okay. It has a nice informal ring to it. It, it. You know, I think Jack is the natural uh, shortening of Bob. So it all yeah, makes sense. It does. So we'll have a Jack follow-up special um, where we finish out uh, some of Bob's... Um, Billy Bob Jack special. <laughs> yeah, some of Bob's follow-up. Going all the way back to one a very, a very early episode where we talked about TVs. Um, so, but... That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. But, but the, yep. 
that that'll have to wait. And um, we, we've done our darndest. We've we've uh, we've survived as long as we could on listener feedback, and we've enjoyed it very much. So thank you, and please keep sending it. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, this was our good faith effort to get through it all, um, but it's going to have to run into the next show. And my arms yep. are very tired from holding the microphone. I, I bet they are. Yeah. <laughs> and my lap is very hot. So from having the laptop sitting on it. And, uh, and I have drinking, uh, drinking, I have drank a lot of tea and now need to relieve myself of said tea. Okay. Yeah, please don't do that on the show. <laughs> You'd never know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Depends on how good you are with that mute button. (laughs) All right. Well, on that lovely note, I will talk to you later, Gordon. Yeah, pleasure as always. Yes, indeed. Until then. Until then. Bone men. Bone men.